Timothy. Chapter 1, verse 5. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. Uh, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that you're always the same. And we thank you for our Lord and Savior, your blessed Son, and for the grace that we know because you have loved us through him and provided this wonderful salvation. Lord, I ask you tonight for the filling of your spirit to minister the word to your church tonight. Be with Sister Lindsay in the nursery and fill it with your spirit, watching the children, dear God. uh, Be with Lisa, uh, teaching the deaf online, and and, uh, bless the lesson there tonight as well. And and God... uh, edify us and draw us closer to you and and God help us to uh, to be lights for you the world doesn't know you and 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 they can't help but follow many times their sinful natures and, and God we uh, we don't have to do that and I thank you for that Lord help us to be the lights to, to those that are around us give us opportunities uh, to share the gospel to testify of your of your grace and goodness and uh, I thank you that we have laid our uh, petitions before you and we know that you love and care for us more than we understand and your wisdom is is more than we can comprehend so Father we trust you we trust who you are in your love to us and, and just pray that you would be glorified tonight help us to worship you in spirit and in truth Grow us in the likeness of Christ, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So we'll likely finish this up tonight. We looked at characteristics of error, uh, unorthodox, mythical, genealogical, pointless, uh, legalistic. Looked at those things. Uh, Let's look at some Bible teaching. Focus on the Bible, skip number two, uh, three builds people up to Christ's likeness, and uh, so we're learning to, we're actually learning to pick out some false, we we came into these lessons uh, well aware of what we might face, and it's been, I think it's been a good study for us to, to pick out some false doctrine, pick out some things that are you know, uh, uh, that are uh, contrary to God's word, so that as we read and study other things, that'll help us. Amen? We can look for uh, those things being, being, being a challenge to us. Uh, the intended destination, what is sound Bible preaching? What is the target? Uh, we saw last week it's going to point us to love. And uh, it's going to point us um, point us to love. The, the end of the commandment is charity. Uh, and uh, out of a uh, pure, so it's going to challenge people to a greater love for God. Charity out of a pure heart is where we'll start uh, there uh, tonight. So God wants to purify our hearts. Uh, he, uh, he sees both the inward and the outward. He's most concerned with the inward. If the inward's right, the outward will be right. Amen. And, uh, and so that's what God, uh, what God is most concerned with. Uh, and uh, uh, 
Uh, in Matthew 5, 18, and 19, uh, we get a view of what our hearts are really like. Uh, Jesus says, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murderers, adulteries, uh, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. Um, uh, of course, we know that Scripture says our heart is is deceitfully is is is, is, is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things, and uh, uh, our danger is not primarily outside of us, is it? Our danger is right here inside of us. It's it's being led astray by our hearts. If we'll if if we'll uh, not keep our eyes on the Word of God, if we'll not. Uh, keep ourselves in a transparent relationship with God. Uh, and by the way, you know, being honest with one another. You might as well be transparent with God because you can't hide anything from Him, okay? And, uh, and so recognizing that real, and realizing that. Uh, the Word of God preached faithfully is going to what? It's going to cut to the heart, isn't it? And uh, uh, it's going to convict, convince of sin, leading us to repentance and confession of our sins before the Lord. Through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, we will find hope for cleansing and power and encouragement to live a life that is pleasing uh, to the Lord. Your book asks, uh, question 18, how eternally valuable would teaching be if the teacher's focus was to make people feel good about themselves? And, uh, uh, of course, no, really no eternal value at all. Uh, uh, you might feel good for a while, but that's about it. How, how attractive can this type of teaching be? Well, the, uh, the profitable business of, uh, of preaching from the, from the televangelists and stuff can tell us how attractive that, uh, that kind of preaching is. Uh, you know, I think of uh, uh, Joel Olstein. I think it's the largest uh, uh, Protestant church, I think, in the United States now. And, uh, and uh, uh, they estimate he, he is worth uh, close to $100 million. And uh, his, uh, his uh, mansion that his family lives in, there's four of them, is 17,000 square feet uh, in, uh, in, uh, in River Oaks, Houston, Texas. And he has said some time ago he doesn't take a, 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 uh, uh, a paycheck from the church. He gets his money from, from the books and things like that. And, uh, and uh, doesn't uh, believe that having uh, nice things, there's anything wrong with that. And I would agree with him there, uh, uh, of course. But uh, if you're going to make a lot of money uh, as a motivational speaker, then sell yourself as a motivational, motivational speaker, amen? Uh, if you're going to be a preacher, uh, then preach the Word of God, okay? And uh, that's what he needs to wake up to, uh, is, is that he is uh, pretending to be a preacher of the word of God and hiding truths that people need to know uh, from him. He was asked in an interview, I watched it on YouTube, why he didn't preach on hell. And his answer was this. He said, well, uh, he says, well, that's another, he said, that's another perspective, he said. He said, I just think that, I come at it from a different perspective. I think that, you know, people, when they come in, they're just, they're just beat up from life and the trials and struggles, you know. And I wanted to encourage them. Let them know God loves them. And, and if they'll just hear those encouraging things, they can get on the right track and do better. Uh, so, so it seems like the goal of his ministry is for people to do better, okay? Uh, well, uh, we need to be faced with the realities, you know, of heaven and hell and of our sin. 
Uh, Paul says, I have not shunned to preach unto you what? The whole counsel of God. And, uh, and that's where he, and of course, uh, the charlatans will fail. Those that are trying to please men, they'll not preach the whole counsel of God. I was, I was listening to uh, or, or reading his comment on why he didn't, uh, he didn't uh, speak much on homosexuality. And uh, and he said that uh, that uh, uh, he that it didn't bother him. Uh, he said he, he said something like uh, he doesn't like pre- preaching on things he doesn't fully understand, and uh, so he does so he doesn't touch that. So you can see how they kind of dance around those things that would scare the crowds away, uh, frankly. And uh, and uh, uh, and it's a profitable uh, business to. To, to stroke people and uh, teachers having itching ears, you know, to make them feel better. And there's a lot of money in that. And, uh, and, uh, uh, but that's okay. Money's, money's going to leave with this place when God's done with this world. Uh, it, it's, it, it has no uh, eternal value unless we invest it in souls now here, amen, and, and, and the spreading of the word of God. The apostle Paul exalts the value of teaching uh, he's talking about the gifts and such and uh, uh, that God gives. And, and there was a time when the gift of, of, of tongues was in effect biblically. And people would, uh, would, be, would speak the language of another person uh, and uh, never having spoken before. And, uh, and they would understand it. And they would have an interpreter in the church, uh, perhaps, you know, those things according to the Bible. And, uh, and uh, we believe that that has, has gone by the wayside. It's not needed now. We don't see it too much. I've never seen it personally. And uh, I've heard of it being done biblically. I've never seen it personally. Uh, but uh, the Apostle Paul was, uh, was uh, speaking of the, the value of preaching over the value of tongues. And he says, uh, he says in 1 Corinthians 14, 23, If the whole church be come together into one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that you're mad? Yeah, yeah they will, of course. Uh, but if all prophesy or all preach or speak forth the word of God, uh, then there come, and there come in one that believeth not, or or one unlearned, or he is convinced of all, he is judged of all. Uh, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. Uh, make no mistake about it, the word of God is powerful. And, uh, and preached from a loving heart, preached from someone who loves God and is filled with the Spirit, uh, that word will do its work, amen? And, uh, and, and it, will, it will cut to the heart. And, uh, and by the way, it even does that at times when it's preached by somebody who doesn't love God, okay? As a matter of fact, uh, the, 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 the Spirit uh, works those things. I don't think... Uh, uh, I don't think uh, Balaam the soothsayer had a relationship with God other than that brief one that he had uh, on, on his way to see, see King Balak. Uh, and uh, I think it, uh, it, be, it began around then and ended right quickly after that. And it wasn't a salvation uh, type uh, relationship. Uh, the Holy Spirit does that convicting. He, he, when he comes, John 16, 8, when Christ sends me, he said, He will approve the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And uh, so he does. He 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 cuts to the heart. Uh, think about think about this work and, and Hebrews uh, this convicting work. Hebrews four twelve. The word of God is quick. It's alive. It's alive, living, and powerful. 
listen to these words, sharper, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit of joints and marrow. So uh, we get this idea that the word of God knows how to work on our hearts. Uh, think about the powerful working of the word of God in Psalm 19 and verse 7 and following. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting. Well, there's, uh, there, there's our new birth. Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. God's word does that. Uh, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. God's word brings that rejoicing. Uh, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. We see spiritual things and spiritual truth through the word of God and the things that are pure uh, and uh, the things that, uh, that, that please the Lord. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. That awesome reverence uh, that causes us to uh, fall on, uh, on our knees in, in our hearts before God as we consider the awesomeness of his being. It's pure, enduring uh, forever. By the way, I think when we see Jesus Christ, that's the first thing we're going to do is fall at his feet. Amen. Amen. And uh, we, we may have those crowns for a little while, but we, we, we will not be able to wait to get rid of them, amen, and cast them at his feet. Uh, however, however long time a span that will be between when he gives us the crown and when we cast him at his feet, it's going to seem like too long, amen, and, uh, and because he's worthy of it all. And he did it, and he, and he does it all through us. And we look forward uh, 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 to seeing him. Uh, the commandments uh, uh, of the Lord, uh, the fear of the Lord is clean and enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. <laughs> Truth isn't subjective. Uh, righteousness is in the word of God. Truth is in the word of God. And we can guide our lives, uh, our lives by that. Uh, and therefore, more to be desired are they than gold, because they are the, the absolute and right and wrong. They are to be desired more than gold, more than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and we need that. Uh, and in keeping of them, there is what? Great reward. <laughs> Uh, you see the televangelists, they just want to preach about the great rewards, and they don't want to do any of the warning, you see. By the way, they make all the great rewards materialistic, you know. And uh, if you're following God, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll have uh, material wealth, and, you know, and all your problems will be solved. And, and that's not found, of course, in the scriptures. Uh, uh, who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Those things that are within that others can't see, cleanse me, God. By the way, if we understand why we sin, we got a problem, okay? Uh, if, we're under, if we're believers and we're understanding why, why we're sinning against God in some area, we've got a problem. And we need God, we need, God, we need some enlightening of the word of God there and, uh, and uh, to help us in that. Uh, it comes from a, 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 a pure heart and then a good conscience, a good conscience. Uh, our conscience is the, is the inner critic of our words and our thoughts and our actions uh, and, and our motives. And uh, I'm glad that God gave us a conscience. We, we all have one. Now, of course, the weakness of a conscience 
is that it's not the word of God. It's not, it can be defiled. <clears throat> it's not the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, uh, but, it, but our conscience can help us if we calibrate it. Uh, most of us have a, uh, have a uh, compass on our phone. And if you haven't used it for a while, what do you have to do? You got to get out and you got to turn around upside down, you know, and, and, and what's it doing? It's calibrating. So it will be what? Correct. Because if you don't calibrate it, it's liable to send you off in the wrong direction. Amen. That's the same way our conscience is. If we don't calibrate it with the word of God, amen, it's, it's going to listen to the world and, and lead us astray. And we have to, uh, to uh, let the word of Christ dwell in us richly in all wisdom. And, and, and then uh, our conscience will be helped by the word of God, directed by the word of God. And uh, when the mind's being filled with the truth of the word, uh, the believer is striving to live for God, the conscience will become tuned to the word of God and will help to keep us in the right direction. And, uh, and by the way, it's, it needs to be a continual tuning, amen? We ought to be in the word of God every day. You say, well, I preach, uh, preacher, I, I come to church uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. That's not enough. <laughs> uh, give us this day what? Our daily bread. Our daily bread. Uh, if, we need, if we need physical food daily, we need spiritual food more daily, okay? And uh, we need to re recognize that, remember that. Question 19 asks, what prevalent negative influence on a person's conscience make a solid uh, moral teaching from the Bible even more important? Anybody want to share what you have for that? What influences today might direct your conscience astray? What's the obvious answer? Social media. Social media. Uh, there's just so much out there. And, uh, and we have to... Uh, we have to have uh, our, our, our hearts and minds in tune uh, with the Word of God. You know what else can? Our own wicked imaginations. Our, uh, where is the greatest enemy? Right in here. Right in here. Our own wicked imaginations. You know, if we're not careful, we can justify something that we don't want to forsake. And uh, if we're not keeping in tune with the Word of God, and uh, we can fool ourselves, and, uh, uh, and we don't want we, we to do that. Our conscience uh, can become seared. First uh, Timothy four two, uh, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Uh, that's a scary thought, isn't it? You know, I think about those uh, those religious leaders after Jesus Christ raised Lazarus from the dead. What did they plot to do? They plot to kill him. Can you imagine that? I mean. That's got to be a seared conscience. Can you imagine if there was somebody who got raised from the dead today? What would they do? Well, if it was Christian, probably the same thing those rulers did. And, but anybody else, they, they'd want to interview him and they, they'd want to know all about what was it like, you know? Uh, they, they'd get him real quiet though, as soon as it began, if it began talking about sin and hell and, you know, and salvation through Christ. The interest would wane rather quickly, I'm sure. And... Uh, uh, but uh, they had to be, have seared conscience, wanting to put Lazarus to death. Uh, uh, when he, so many witnesses had seen him, it was obvious that he'd been raised uh, from the dead. A seared conscience. We can have uh, a weak conscience. Uh, the Apostle Paul was talking about those who, you know, who uh, 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 who had a weak conscience, and he said, "Be careful! You don't want to wound a weak conscience. You want to." 
exercise your liberties uh, to yourself where they might offend another. Uh, uh, and uh, you don't want to go against your own conscience. You don't want to go against the word of God. But you don't want to offend another conscience who's weak. And the particular instance in, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 8 was eating food offered unto idols. Some people, their conscience was weak and, and, uh, and they ate perhaps only vegetables. Well, Paul uh, says, uh, when you sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Well, they should know they should eat meat so, so they can eat meat. I'm, I, I'll have them over for pork, you know, when I, when I invite them over. Well, don't do that. God says, wait for them to get stronger. Wait till you sense that, that that's not offensive. Talk with them about that and ask the Lord to help that weak conscience. You see, uh, we can be, the devil would oh, love us to be convicted about things that aren't wrong. <laughs> Amen. And uh, he, he likes a false conviction. And, uh, and, uh, and we, we, need, uh, we can have a weak conscience. We need to tune it up with the word of God. First uh, Timothy 1, or Titus 1, 15. Unto the pure all things are pure. Unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. So we can have a seared conscience, a weak conscience, uh, a, a, a defiled conscience. I always think of, uh, of the Pharisees, you know, uh, having that Corbin thing where they said, hey, it's okay, you're supposed to you know, take care of your parents, but if you give that money to us for a gift, why, you're good, you're okay. You won't have to take care of your parents anymore. Uh, well, that's obviously a defiled conscience, isn't it? Uh, thinking that it's right to go against the will of God. And uh, that God, that God will somehow, uh, you know, uh, turn away from that and 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 not acknowledge that. That would be a defiled conscience. Uh, you can have a misled and a deceived conscience. Think about the Apostle Paul in Acts twenty six nine. I verily thought with myself uh, that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Paul thought it was right. To do, he ought to do what he was doing. He, he, he sincerely thought he was right with God. His conscience was telling him that he was right with God. I think at least before he started meeting some of those martyrs, after that, I think the conscience began to get him. Jesus said, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks, Paul. Uh, what are you doing? I'm convicting that, that, that misled, that deceived conscience now. And I'm showing you as these martyrs die uh, that, that I am, uh, I am uh, the true one. Uh, I really think that when Jesus he said, you know, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. The apostle Paul had seen so much testimony, he should have repented. I think Jesus was saying, what are you waiting for? Don't, you're, you're, you're feeling it right here. You, you, you saw my, 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 my disciple, my uh, Stephen die. You heard his testimony. You've seen the lives of these. God was nailing them and nailing them. I think, I think God was saying, what are you waiting for? And so finally he, he strikes them blind on the road to Damascus and, and says, now I'll send Ananias to talk to you. He probably should have repented uh, uh, long before that. And, uh, but God's gracious and merciful, isn't he? And, uh, and uh, used him in a great, in a great way, misled, uh, deceived. Uh, in John 16, Jude 2, Jesus had told his disciples, they shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. That was the apostle Paul. That's exactly what he was doing. Time came a little quicker than what they thought, didn't it? And... Uh, 
uh, and uh, so a uh, uh, you know a we want to have a, a good uh, conscience and uh, a pure a pure conscience, <clears throat> and we have to ask ourselves: Is the word of God being used to give the learner moral guidelines for living? Uh, from our Bible teaching, from our Bible classes, are we learning right and wrong? Are we learning, you know, uh, uh, to say no to sin and yes to righteousness in our lives? And, uh, and if we're truly preaching the word of God, that's certainly going to be uh, the case. And uh, so, so uh, uh, teacher number five there, uh, teaching that hits the mark is going to teach, teach us scriptural guidelines for, for moral living. I wanted to note also that as, as I was reading the study book, uh, it, uh, it, it kind of said things like, I remember, I won't be able to say it word, but I'll put it in my own words, but, but it kind of said things like, it must be taught so that it convicts. It, it, it must be taught so that, and I'm thinking, are they trying to say there's a special way to teach the Word of God to make that happen? Well, let me tell you, if you just teach the Word of God, okay, you say what the Word of God says, you expound on what the Word of God says, uh, you do the expositional teaching, and, and look at the words, what they mean, the context, we know that the Word of God does the work, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Uh, you know, we've all heard uh, that uh, uh, Jonathan Edwards, you know, sinners in the, in the hands of an angry God. We've all heard or read that, 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 that he actually preached that sermon, some say monotone. And uh, just kind of read it, and God used it. He didn't need some method, you know, or some, you know, something, you know, uh, uh, fantastic for the Word of God to do its work. And uh, one thing I have been convinced that it is the Word of God. Uh, it always, uh, it always, uh, it always uh, uh, discourages me when I see people picking personalities among teachers. I remember the pastor that I got saved under. And uh, he preached the word of God, and, and, uh, and, and I was thankful for him. Uh, Jim Colberth, he's home to be with the Lord now. And, uh, and uh, he, uh, uh, the church was greatly unified under him, was being used uh, of the Lord. And, and he said we needed to have that spirit of unity. And, and then he uh, was called away from the church. And you know what? The church split over personalities. The next pastor came in. And his pre, he had a different personality. But you know what? He preached the word of God. He was, his preaching was right on. And I was discouraged to see those people that left. Why? Because he was different. He had a different personality. Is why some of them left. And, uh, and that, that's a sad thing, isn't it? That's a sad thing. If we have ears to hear, if we're believers, we're born again, we come to church, I want to be edified. Anybody who preaches the word of God as it is, you can be edified from it. And uh, you can receive it and grow. And we ought to remember that. And uh, uh, we don't need to be coddled, you know, or entertained. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, we need to be receiving, uh, understanding what the word of God says, and yielding to it in our hearts and lives. And then... Uh, they just put the rest of them on there together. Uh, uh, good conscience and a sincere faith. Uh, a sincere faith. Uh, faith unfeigned. Uh, God wants us to be true and genuine with Him. The faith, the idea of living out our faith and uh, a genuine relationship. Often we have hurts and problems and doubts and sins that we hide rather than dealing with them. 
in a genuine way. Listen, uh, God knows all about you and me. And uh, we come to him, we might as well lay it out there, amen. And uh, the sooner we realize it and confess it to him and ask him for deliverance and uh, uh, God help me to be more godly in this area in my life or help me to do this thing that I've uh, put off doing, help me to, to put this thing out of my life that's not edifying, whatever it might be. We need to be open and honest with God, amen. And, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and he will change us. Uh, you know, uh, on the on on the inside, God's Holy Spirit takes the sword of the Word and works on our hearts to purify the thoughts and motives within. All the while, making us more and more genuine in our love towards Him and in our love towards others. And that's what we need. Uh, that's what the world needs to see: is real people. <laughs> you know, and uh, yes, we have problems, but we have a mighty God, and He helps us live for Him uh, and walk with Him. Uh, the, the Pharisees were what? Masters of deception, weren't they? Uh, Matthew 23, 27. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like unto whited sepulchers. You ever go through a, a graveyard and some of those, some of those tombstones, my goodness. Uh, uh, I mean, you know, some of them pretty much almost wouldn't fit up here in the front of this church. And they've got so, they're so grand and... Uh, and of course, then they had the sepulchers and the tombs, and, and they, they would whitewash them and make them, make them nice and like that. And, but what's inside? Dead men's bones. You appear, you're like whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. See, God's looking on the inside. We worry too much about the outside. Uh, woe be us, be to, be to us, if we're content with just what people think of us. We want to be, have hearts that say, as far as I know, uh, I, I, I'm pleasing God today. Uh, I, I'm trying to live for Him, and I wanted to do what's right. And, uh, and that's what we need uh, in our hearts. We talked about the sharp and cutting uh, uh, aspects of the word of God in Hebrews 4.12 living, quick, powerful, sharper, uh, piercing and it is a discerner of what? the thoughts and intents of the heart that's why God uh, wants us to have a, a sincere faith a sincere faith uh, you know uh, we uh, I tell you that's one of the hardest things is preaching with pure motives you know, are doing what we do for God with pure motives. Because what does the flesh always want? Pat on the back. Huh? Uh, and to be exalted in some way. And that's something that anybody teaches the word of God is always going to struggle with. You're always going to be praying, God, purify my motives. Purify my motives. You know, you look back and you say, gee, I wonder, you know, I wonder if I was preaching that just, just to hear a good sermon. You know, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with saying good sermon, okay? It's okay to encourage once, to, to, uh, we all need encouragement once in a while. But what we need to realize is that we are serving God, amen? And, uh, and, and, and we need to know in our hearts that what we're doing, we're doing because God has called us to do it, amen? And we're doing it uh, because we want to do it, we love God, and because we love others, amen? And we're trying to do with a pure heart. Uh, we want to do with a pure heart. 
what he wants us to do. By the way, we understand and realize that only those things that are done with a pure heart in the fullness of the Spirit are rewarded. Only those things that are done with a pure heart in the fullness of the Spirit are rewarded. And, uh, and uh, because God knows, God knows those things. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote about how they manifested themselves as the true servants of God. And, uh, and in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 6, he continued that list by saying, by pureness. By pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, two points we just covered right here, uh, a sincere uh, uh, love uh, uh, and, and, and pureness, pureness. This shows that we know the Lord, that he's working in our hearts and minds. Uh, the end of the commandment is charity to have a pure heart of good conscience, and of faith and fame. Uh, the Apostle Paul obviously had some faith unfeigned. <laughs> and he knew some people, by the way, that had faith unfeigned. Second uh, Timothy 1.5, he was thinking about Timothy. I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. Timothy was real. Uh, he had some fears, perhaps. That seems to be, uh, had, had, had to have been, Paul seemed to know that as he prayed for him and sent him those, sent him those letters. But he was real. He was sincere. And so Timothy had an unfeigned faith. Did he need to grow some? Yes, he did. We all do. But he had an unfeigned faith. He says, And that unfeigned faith dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. His, his mom and his grandmom had an unfeigned faith. And uh, praise God. I'm thankful uh, for the unfeigned faith that I see in this church as an encouragement to my heart. As I, as I minister to believers, I see that. And, uh, and that is encouraging to me and, uh, and a challenge to me to be examining my motives and, uh, and my faith. Uh, Peter writes, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Uh, wow, that's going to take leaning on the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's always got to be God's spirit that's working these things through us, doesn't it? Isn't it? Certainly it has to be. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> unfeigned, uh, sincere faith. Legally correct. Now what are they saying there? Uh, just basically, the Bible tells us what's right and wrong. Where do we find right and wrong? Right here. Right here. If we don't build on that, what happens? We lose. We go astray. We get, we're not calibrated, okay? Uh, legally correct. Uh, and uh, uh, using the law correctly uh, at the right times. And, and uh, uh, Romans 8, Romans 8 two, The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. What the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Uh, so uh, we work under the Holy Spirit. We are in the age of grace. We're not under the law. Uh, uh, we are under grace. And, uh, but the righteousness righteous in the law is still pure. And we want to do pure now. Why? Jesus told us. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's our foundation. That's what we work from now. 
Well, the law says, uh, says the wages of sin is death. Yes, it does, and I'm delivered from that already. And by the way, so are you. You see, the law took us to Jesus. That took care of that death, didn't it? So we're not under that law anymore. And uh, uh, in, in an eternal sense, uh, uh, chastening, we certainly can go there. We've uh, long studied that and know the Bible teaches all about that. Uh, but we've been made righteous in God's eyes through faith in Jesus Christ. We have that imputed righteousness. And uh, by the way, we have it not because of anything we've done. Uh, I think I think about Travis when has has on his Facebook page. The only thing we contribute to our, our salvation is the sins we sins that we need to be need to be forgiven. Amen. And uh, and 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 that's it as far as the getting saved part. As we give Jesus our sins, Amen. As we turn to Him, uh, and. Uh, 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 but uh, we didn't get saved. We, he didn't justify us by anything we did. First John two twelve. I read unto you, little children. That's all Christians, because your sins are forgiven you. Here it is for His name's sake. You see that He forgave me because of what Jesus did. Uh, he didn't even. He didn't necessarily forgive me because you know I was contrite. You know, you can be contrite. Uh, but if Christ hadn't done those things for you, you, you got no forgiveness. You see what I'm saying? He forgives for Jesus' sake because his son came and died for, and died, uh, for the lost and for the whole world. And thank God for that. Uh, uh, Paul writes about the sinners that we were living in habitual sin in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6 and he says and such were some of you but ye are washed but ye are sanctified but ye are justified what to say in the name of the Lord Jesus <laughs> and by the spirit of our God that's why we're justified it's for Jesus sake it's in his name it's because God honors what he did uh, for us that's why we're justified when we believe in Jesus Christ uh, legally uh, correct you see, I believe it's under the law because the law is what? A law is, brings us to the knowledge of sin, doesn't it? A believer already knows he's a sinner. He's already dealt with that. The believer's already faced that. The believer has come to the Lord Jesus Christ in repentance and faith and has taken care of that. So the law uh, has no power over the believer because they've taken care of that through Christ and, uh, and we're under grace. And, uh, and we, we labor and we live uh, according to love and according to the power of the Holy Spirit God's put in us. And uh, that the righteousness of the law may be filled in them who walk in after, fulfilled in them who walk not after flesh but after the Spirit. And I think it also has the idea there, the manner of righteousness. What kind of righteousness did the law say to do? It said, do it all and do it out of love. Could the law ever make us do that? No. But now the righteousness of the law is fulfilled in them that walk after the Spirit. Why? Because now we can obey the commandments out of pure love for Christ and others and that alone. That's a glorious thought, isn't it? That is a glorious thought. What a difference from the lose your salvation folks. Uh, they don't have that hope, by the way. They're they're fighting every day to, to try and save their own soul out of hell. And uh, when Christ said what? Three words, it is finished, isn't it? And uh, you need to realize that. And I close with this, uh, looking at uh, uh, point F. And uh, see, they have a keep, keep and teaching on target.
require our teachers to be members, we do. Uh, our teachers agree with our church covenant. We make sure that uh, you 